Episode 119 of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is a very special double feature. In the first half of tonight's episode, G and Andrew break down the Yankees' hot start to the beginning of June, stretching their division lead to double digits over the Jays, Rays, and Red Sox. In the second half of tonight's episode, the crew will get into the biggest series of the year against the Houston Astros. And we are live for the 119th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast, sponsored by Six Pack Coverage. What's going on, everyone? Andrew here tonight, joined by G. It's been about two weeks since our last podcast, but the Yankees just continue to win 12-3 and over their last 15 games since we last recorded an episode. G, fresh off a series win against Tampa Bay. How are we feeling? What's going on tonight? I am feeling great, and I will tell you why. Because not only did they take two out of three from Tampa Bay in this most recent series that just ended literally like less than an hour ago. They swept them a week ago, which was great. They went into Tampa or this week they went into Tampa last week. They were at home against Tampa, but they played six games against Tampa and played basically Tampa Bay's game where it's like, you know, close, you know, hard fought that very like nail biting games, pitching oriented games, and they beat them five out of six at their own game. So I love that. And this Yankees team and Tampa Bay is always going to be tough and annoying. And that's what I was literally thinking about for like seven innings of today's game before events transpired. I was like, this is such an annoying Tampa Bay like loss where it's just like, yeah, you just don't do anything and then maybe score a couple runs and still lose like. So they were on their way to a pretty annoying like Tampa Bay loss, and they, you know, pulled it out and they got two out of three uh, this week against the Rays. They got the sweep last week, twelve and three since the last pod, and the Yankees are on pace for whatever it is, like 118 wins, which is very silly and probably not going to happen. But like, hey, why not? So Yankees are fun and good, and I love that. Yeah, it, it has been. For sure, just a, a magic carpet type ride. Um, we did record on Monday the sixth. I don't know if the podcast came out until uh, midway through that that Minnesota series, but the Yankees obviously took two out of three. Had one really bad loss in that series. Uh, that, that was the game that Garrett Cole just got absolutely hammered in. Uh, I remember people melting down like, "Oh, is this it? Is he back to being Spider Tack Merchant? Is he?" Is he ready to break down? And then, of course, he's been dominant since. Took a no-hitter to the eighth against Tampa in his past, his past start out. Uh, Yankees absolutely bludgeoned the the Chicago Cubs uh, the following weekend. There was that that Jose Trevino walk-off on Friday night, and then two just bloodbath games, 8-0 and 18-4. And then, like you said, uh, six of the last nine games have been against Tampa Bay. And in annoying fashion, these guys – always know how to pitch to us. And and then you get random players like Isak Paredes, today Vidal Brujan, uh, I think Harold Ramirez hit one too. Like just like random, and, and Ramirez has been pretty good for them. But the other two guys, they're kind of just there. I know Paredes leads the team in home runs now because he's hit like five against us in the last week and a half. But uh, man, it, it's, it's very weird when you watch the Yankees play against Tampa Bay because no matter how well the offense is clicking, they always know how to pitch to us. Like look at the games that, that they won at home 
a 2 nothing win, a 4-3 to win, and then a 2-1 win that came via uh, uh, Anthony Rizzo walk-off home run. And then a 4-2 to win on Monday. They lost 5-4 to yesterday and scored two of those four runs in the ninth inning. And then a 5-4 win today, which I think was the most exciting of those six games. You can make an argument that there is a walk-off as well. But, like, these Tampa Bay games are always just so annoying. And and they always feel like they count for for more than any other game. And every game counts the same. I know with the division rival, you could say technically you could gain one or lose one. So it's a two-game swing there. I get it. But uh, I'm just – I'm excited not to have to play these guys for, like, another month and a half because I just – I can't do it emotionally. Thank God they, they took care of business winning five out of six. Yeah, and I think if you're going to say, if anything, that they count an extra, it's more just like uh, Tampa's had the Yankees number for like a few years now, and this Yankees team, one, is just good. Two, is very confident, and they just seem like unbothered by the presence of Tampa Bay. And I think that's important that this is a team that has been a thorn in their side and been, frankly, you know, kind of better than them pretty comfortably for the last couple of years, um, especially last year. But I think that's important where it's like this Yankees team seems co- completely unbothered and willing to play Tampa Bay's game, and they beat him. And they beat him seven out of ten games so far this season, and that's pretty great. Yeah, it, it, <clears throat> there's there's any takeaway from from that, it's that the Yankees – Going into any matchup against Tampa Bay last year, you knew that we were in for, for a rough slide. And and I remember that that final regular season series where we had three games. We only needed to win one to clinch a wild card spot. You needed one with help or two wins to host the wild card game. And they came out and they got flattened in the first two games. And you're really sitting there thinking to yourself, I know the 2021 team was was a completely different story, but you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, we're literally going to get swept at home and miss the playoffs because of these son-of-a-bitch Rays who just know how to beat us. I, and they did walk off that game and went the playoffs, but, like, it, it just – part of me, even after we've beaten them 7 out of 10, I still haven't gotten over that PTSD type thing yet where, where they completely owned us last year uh, and didn't just win these ugly games. There was – you know, the four threes, three, two, two, one games, they won some games by some heavy margins last year. And then of course they beat us in the playoffs in 2020. So it's gotten, it's taken a while for me to actually like go into these games. I, at home, it's a little different, but still every time they play in the trop, I'm thinking to myself, like tonight's going to suck. Win, lose, whatever happens, like tonight's going to suck. But yeah, like you said, they, they, they've taken five out of six, seven out of 10 overall in the season. And, and Tampa Bay, as well as every other team in the division, is very much so in the rearview mirror. So, look, we got a huge series coming up against Houston, which we can get into later in the show. But as of right now, the Yankees really have nothing to worry about in terms of where they stand in the division because they've done such a good job taking care of business against everyone else in our division already this year. Yeah, and... um... I mean, that's nice. I haven't heard people, too many people complain like, oh, they're only playing X, they're only playing whatever. Like, players on your schedule, the Yankees played, um, they spent two weeks in May playing just the White Sox and the Orioles. Um, but, you know, they had some tough stretches of the schedule, and I think people were pointing to this stretch being like, oh, they play six against the Rays, they play three against the Blue Jays, they play the Astros. Like, that's a pretty, you know impressively difficult 
12 game, I guess it's 13 games they play four against. Either way, um, stretch, and so far they've handled their business. Um, so we'll just have to see against the Astros. Yeah, right. I think this was the one part of, of the of the schedule, at least for me. Maybe if some other fans were, were just very confident where the team is, they didn't really think it mattered who they played. But I was worried about three at home versus Tampa. Then you have a six-game road trip, three at Toronto, three at Tampa, come home for four against Houston. Three against Oakland should be the underbelly of that. But then you go to Houston for, for one game. And that's the weird series that got split because it got canceled at the beginning of the year because of the uh, the lockout delay. Um, then they go to Cleveland, which they swept them at home, but Cleveland's a pretty good team right now. They go to at Pittsburgh. Again, should be winnable games, but then four at Boston. So there really is no extended stretch where they play weak teams for, for a long time. Even then, like, after that Boston series, they play home three against the Reds, who are just atrocious. But then they, they play three more against Boston. So the Yankees have a, a really like a, for the next month. There's going to be tough games on the schedule every week, and if they're gonna they're gonna really earn it, it it's going to be right here. And no one can say anything that they haven't played tough competition. But look, let's just quickly touch on some things that happened um, over the past two weeks since since we last recorded. Um, Nestor Cortez hasn't looked great, hasn't looked awful, but hasn't really looked his, his dominant self. You had Luis Severino go on the COVID IL, come off a couple days later, made the start, looked okay. The Yankees bullpen, particularly Miguel Castro, melted down in that game. That was on Father's Day. Uh, and then, of course, you had that game on June 12th where they scored 18 runs, Matt Carpenter, two home runs. Uh, and that was just the, the the laughing stock game of the season. So, like, what, what in particular... Uh, has stood out to you as a certain player, a certain performance. Like what? What? Uh, what's something you want to talk about here? Eighteen runs on the twelfth. What else happened on the twelfth? No, I don't think I'm that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited as just a foreign or medium in the future thing. Um, Yankees get to go to Pittsburgh and see the phenom O'Neill Cruz, the six foot seven shortstop who threw a ball 98 miles an hour to first base the other night um so that's exciting and otherwise i would say you know i mean i think we could it's i mean it's probably a good idea to break down some of the matchups that are going to take place in this houston series yeah we'll get there going back over over the, the the past few weeks right like what else can you say about aaron judge at this point he has to be the MVP front runner. I know a lot of people in Cleveland will tell you that Jose Ramirez should be in the conversation. And I think coming into today, uh, he may have had him beat in terms of on base percentage and OPS. Of course, Aaron Judge cool. led basically every other category, right? Home runs, slugging percentage, OPS plus. Uh, he's playing center field, which is a more strenuous position. Uh, so, look, Aaron Judge, all right. we, we could go on and on and talk about him all year. Final. Well, not final, but a thing about Aaron Judge. Over-under. The over-under I'm interested for Aaron Judge. Has he raised his price by over or under $100 million since opening day? See, that's a good question. $230 million offer. I guess, well, maybe including his salary. Either way, $210 million offer that he got from the Yankees that he passed up on opening day 
And I think it's very fair to say that the asking price has gone up considerably. I think $100 million is a good number that it's going to go up by. But part of the reason I think he may top $300 million is because the Yankees, like if they want to retain him, they're, they're going to have to add an extra year or two, which I know they absolutely don't want to do. But look, if it's a matter of paying Aaron Judge $35 million when he's 39 or 40 years old uh, to get him for the next five, six years in his prime, doing what he's doing right now, like you have to do that. I know those two years are going to suck, and hopefully you have enough around him on the roster that <laughs> that's not going to kill you. right? So like in the NFL, if you have a quarterback who's just dreadful making $40 million, you're screwed. Uh, same thing with, with the... The NBA, I was actually listening to uh, WFAN today and they were talking about how like players who are, you know, once they hit that, that tipping point where they just kind of drop off, they, they mentioned Carmelo Anthony uh, on the Knicks before they, they cut loose with him. Just like once you, or, and even like Chris Paul right now, I, in the playoffs for the Suns, like once you, yeah, once you, once you hit a certain point, like you can't, it's tough to, <clears throat> to overcome that. And then they also referenced Derek Jeter. Um, when he was at the end of his road in 2014. And you can mask that a little more because it's one player in a nine-player team. So I think the Yankees yeah. can be in that I mean, position. For, for that, I guess, sorry to interrupt, but when you get to a point, it's just that, like, when you get to a certain age, you're just, like, definitively probably, you know, maybe, like, you're going to be worse. Whether, you know, the degree to which you're worse is, you know, whatever. But, like, when you get to a certain age of, you know, your sports playing life, you're just going to be worse than you were the year before. So, well, like, look, the Yankees obviously a have parallel, a concern about that. A good parallel to, to <clears throat> a type of contract, and certainly the money will be more, but, like, look at, at Miguel Cabrera, look at Albert Pujols. Like, they're not remotely what they were. Uh, and, obviously, Pujols is, is on a new deal at this point. He signed uh, the one-year deal to retire with the, the, the Cardinals, and he's kind of playing that, the string on that this year. But Miguel Cabrera, like, he can still hit the ball, right? He's not doesn't have much in the way of power, but like at age what 36 37 right now he's just not remotely the same player that won the triple crown a decade ago but which is funny because he also has three years left on his contract and he's yeah but my, my my point is if that's the kind of situation the Yankees are in with aaron judge when he's 38 years old you deal with it because you cannot cannot and i can't stress enough cannot afford to not have him on your roster for the next three or four years especially if they're at a spot where we were talking about earlier this year, they didn't do enough in the offseason, and that whole championships, not championship type thing was closing fast. Well, with the way they are right now, they may be opening up a new window. Uh, and I get there's going to be a lot of roster questions. Some some of the other guys who are, are younger on that team earlier on are going to be coming up for, for contracts like Gleyber Torres in the next few years. Luis Severino will be a free agent again soon. Um so I can't just say that there's a brand new championship window right now, but you, there's no world in which you can afford to not have Aaron Judge. So yeah, he's going to get paid a lot of money. And he deserves every penny of it. And the Yankees are going to have to suck it up and give him two years. Yeah, no, they are. I was going to say, even if you were doing something like, you know, eight years for like 310, which is $38 million a year, something like that. I don't know. Get creative. Like, you know, you don't have to give him 300 and whatever million dollars that you gave Cole, maybe. But, I mean, at the same time, if he's going to be one of the very best players in baseball, that's what the market bears. That's what you got to pay him. And it would be stupid not, not to pay him and not have him on your team. So, either way, good for him. Because, like, it's not my money, right? I don't give a shit what Hal spends his money on. You know, but pay the man, right? If he's earned it, don't you can't pay all the lip service to be like, oh, we love Aaron, blah, blah, blah. All right, just pay the man. Like, it's fine. Hammer out the details any way you want. But pay the man his contract. He is, at this point, 
essentially, in my mind, the best player in baseball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so with that being said, those players cost money, and it just kind of pay him. Because how embarrassing, how stupid would the Yankees look if they did all this stuff and they did the thing, they released the contract details, and they, you know, and and then he winds up like it, that would be like these of any and all good like and who the hell knows what's going to happen this season, but any and all goodwill from this season uh, would immediately be gone. So let's not have hopefully not uh, not have to worry about that. No, and, and you have the the arbitration hearing coming up on Friday. Which <laughs> technically it's speaking, fine because they can, he hit two home runs tonight. Yeah, well, they can't really use this year as as a precursor for that because you have like this was supposed to happen, remember, in in March. So technically speaking, the the arbiters are not supposed to use anything that he's doing this year and to, to help make their decision. And the Yankees are still four million dollars apart. And, and look. I know they're still going to want to keep the salary down, but if they don't settle somewhere in the middle or if they don't at the very least just say, look, let's see if we can get you talking on an extension again in season. I know he doesn't want to do that, but if they can get it, then like you, you got to try. You can't just go in and say, no, nope, we're going to pay you $17 million. Screw you. I know you want 21 like right now in the middle of this MVP campaign. He <laughs> cannot do that. If this isn't going to get the man paid, then nothing will. So, plenty of other teams out there with money. Just Yankees have to just, uh, yeah, it's just just get the man paid. That's all. Yep. So other other players I do want to touch upon before we we look ahead to the the big Houston series at home this week uh, are just a couple players who who've had some some up and down weeks. Uh, we'll start with with Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Rizzo obviously had the, the the walk-off shot on, what was it, last Wednesday. But it, it kind of seems like he was a little he, bit of he's had a very weird season. Yeah, but I, if you look at his last seven games, hitting 365, so he's definitely heating up. But before then... He's on he pace for like 40-something home runs, too, now, so... Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He's at yeah, he's at 19, yeah, through 69 games. That's that's crazy. Um, yeah, but look, Rizzo just has 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 the ability to come through in the clutch. We saw it with that the the bases loaded single he had against LA a couple weeks ago. I think he had a big hit. Um, or he had a grand slam, obviously against Toronto as well. Like this this dude, even if the numbers don't look ultra impressive, like 231 batting average and you know, a batting average doesn't really mean all that much. 336 on on base percentage could be better. Uh, but like he's coming through in the clutch. The OPS looks good. Um, Rizzo is awesome. John Carlos Stanton has been in a world of a funk since coming back from from the IL uh, about a month ago. I get this part. You know what? It might have been right before our last podcast is when they activated him. Now I believe he's hit maybe one or two home runs in that stretch. Uh, yeah, so he has three home runs in his last 15 games, but he's hitting 111. He's drawing some walks. His on base percentage is 322, but he has. 12 strikeouts in 45 at-bats. That's not that bad. The 111 batting average is brutal. Uh, and to take it a little step further, he's 042 over the last seven games. So, like, he, he's kind of feast or fan right now. But you know he'll figure it out. And when he's hot, he's nuclear. So the Yankees are winning games in spite of him. That's fine. Um, I'm going to give you – I'm going to give two more names. And I'm going to stop 
talking because I'm sure people are already getting sick and tired of hearing my voice. But um, Aaron Hicks had a week. Do you want to you talk about that? I mean, it's only fair to Aaron Hicks because we've just been mercilessly just crapping on him all season. So let's give the men some shine. Yeah, look. Aaron Hicks, one of the worst clutch hitters on this team statistically, not only this year, but over the past two or three years, and came up with a pair of really, really big hits this week. He had, obviously, the bases-clearing double off Alec Manoa on Saturday uh, in a game he's won 4 nothing, so that was a huge game-winning hit for him there, and you can tell how fired up he was. And then he had the, the RBI double, uh, RIP Manuel Margot, by the way, uh, against Tampa Bay on on Monday, uh, which which gave the Yankees the, the the go-ahead run to win that game, and yeah, he was like look, really hooting and hollering on third base there, which was pretty cool. And good for him because he's had a disastrous start to the year, but over the last month or so, he's not he's not hitting that poorly, right? So last 15 games, 271, 340 OBP, slugging percentage is down a little bit, right? But he does have seven RBIs, and I think he only had like ten the whole <laughs> season <laughs> before then. So um, I remember he asked, or Meredith Morakovis asked him the other night, like, "What what is working for you? Like, how are you starting to turn your season around?" And I think, and he made a good point. He said, "I'm just playing more." And we we kind of insinuated this earlier in the year, but like the lack of playing time because he's had all these injuries the past few years. I think he really just had a lot of rust. I'm not going to say he's going to be the player that he was in 2017, 2018, 2019, but look, there was definitely a lot of rust on that body that he needed to shake off, and he's he's starting to figure it out, and that's a huge help for the Yankees. It is, and also I'd say, like, I mean, you know, he's not like a $30 million a year contract guy, but I mean, he is a contract guy. They gave him a long-term contract. And obviously he's going through a phase, you know, he's going through a different, or you know, arriving at a different phase of his career. Um, Aaron Judge is the center fielder now. Aaron Judge and Rizzo and Leahy, like those are the leadoff hitters now. So um, it's just a different adjustment, I think. Obviously it helps that he plays more, knocks off the rust and all that type of stuff. But I think, you know, it's good for him that he just has had time to adjust to the fact that it's like, hey, less pressure, maybe. Like, you have to hit. You have to be a valuable contributor. But you don't have to be the 270 batting average with 25 home runs and 80 RBIs leadoff hitter that's going to have, like, a whatever, 400 on-base percentage. Like, you don't have to be that guy. You just have to be, like, a meaningful contributor who can play a few innings in the center field and play in left field and, you know, get a single or a double and maybe a home run here or there. Like, so it's, uh, <clears throat> it's obviously good that he gets playing time and knocks off the rest and all that stuff. But I think it's probably just helping him as he goes along to like, you know, acclimate to his new, I guess, place on the team. Which look, if that's the role he's, he's accepting at this point and he starts performing like that's that's fine. We'll take it. Um, one other guy I do want to touch on real quick before we, we move on. I'm going to do another one of those those fun segments we did last time next, so get ready for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, Joey Gallo. It really looked like he had started turning a corner, uh, and the last week has just been just painful. The last two weeks, really. I, I, I know he has a couple home runs mixed in, 
But like over his last seven games, he struck out nine times in 16 at-bats. He has just the one home run, uh, which was the garbage time home run in that game. They blew out Toronto on, on Friday night. Uh, just He's playing pretty decent out on the outfield. I think he's playing a lot of right field with Judge in center, and he's looking good there. But I, I, he just leaves so much to be desired. And, I, and I'm getting tired of just talking about this guy over and over and over again. And, like, I almost want all those people who I've just disagreed with the whole year who are, like, trying to convince me that he's some great player. I almost, at a point, I just want them to be right so I don't have to push the same shitty narrative over and over again. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, I think the ship has sailed. Anything the Yankees get from Gallo at this point is gravy. And I think before too long, you know, you're going to start to hear about, like, hey, the Yankees are looking for outfielders. The Yankees, you know, gauging what they could get for Joey Gallo. Like, you know, it was fun, and he hit 40 home runs last year, and that would have been pretty cool if he would have hit a bunch of home runs for the Yankees, even if he was batting 200. But, like, he doesn't, and he hasn't. And... If you're going to be as utterly miserable as he is on offense, you have to be basically the best defender at your position, and he's not. So, um, you know, all that we talked about, you know, the Miguel Andujar thing that happened a couple weeks ago, it'd be be perfectly fine bringing him up and playing him more, platooning or whatever, but otherwise I think the ship has sailed on Gallo, and I think before too long you're going to start to hear that uh, manifest itself in trade rumors. And until then, he can rot on the bench because he sucks. So that's actually an interesting point because that's uh, that's a kind of where I was going to transition right here anyway. So I want you to think of one player, position, role, batting order, whatever. Just think of like one change you would make to this team and implement starting tomorrow. And um, I don't know if you want to type it out to me or if you want to just I'll just give you the floor if you if you have your guy if you have your your move already ready, but. Come up with one change you would make to this team right now. And I know it's hard to change anything with the way they're playing. But one thing that you think could improve the team, go forward. Um, so I will let you go first. I have mine in mind, but I will save that for for second. All right. And while I finalize that in my brain, I'm just going to give some shine to someone who I've already tipped my cap to a couple times this year. But shout out to Gleyber Torres. Um. Last seven games, 348, 400 on base. And last 15 games, 294, 379. Um, hitting home runs, playing great defense, looking all around like the – he is only 25, Gleyber Torres, from the last whatever you know time he was you know good and people thought he was good. So pretty cool turnaround season for him so far. Hopefully he keeps it going. And otherwise – that's pretty, you know, it's 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 nice. It's it's very very good for the Yankees, obviously, and good for Gleyber Torres that, you know, his he's resurrecting his career. So I, I love that. So the one move that I would make is to immediately trade for a different shortstop and stop playing. I say a Connor Falefa every day. Damn, it's kind of man. a cop out answer. It's Damn, no, that answer. was my answer. And and I don't see that you're just where are you going with that though? because I have like a very specific, very specific thing in mind. Um, but I don't know where you're. I mean, going all right. No, I mean, all right. That's all right. Hold on a second. I, yours is probably much more well formed, but I'll just say this. Honestly, at this point, I would just play Marvin Gonzalez every day until. That's, that's exactly where I was going with that because I think okay, he's. Fair enough. He, I think if you 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 look at what Marwin's done, he's as capable 
as a defender, and I think he offers a little more with the bat. And he's not going to provide the speed. But look, if IKF is only going to be a speed guy, then he could just be a pinch runner, could be a late in defensive replacement guy if they need him. But I think Marwin offers more with the bat, and you don't lose anything defensively. So there's really no net loss there. In fact, you're probably gaining. So uh, the team's already winning. If you can add a little more production in that, I think you look at war, you look at OPS, uh, you look at stuff like defensive run saved. Uh, I think Marwin's a, a net improvement in all three of those categories. So uh, Yankees are better off with that. And that's exactly where I was going. So I'm Whatever we 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 agreed on that unintentionally, but uh, that's funny. I was gonna say, well, yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, Connor Falefa, he batted like whatever, like two seventy, two eighty, or something. like he had a pretty decent batting average last year. Pretty sure like seventy five percent of his hits were singles. Um, I don't really care about that. You know, we didn't really get him for offense, but like. You know, we got him for defense, and his defense has been underwhelming. And he just generally, by the eye test, has been a very annoying player to watch. Um, so yeah, I'd say you know who knows what shortstops, what who might become available if the Yankees, you know, at the deadline, or if the Yankees just decide to say fuck it, full send, and bring up Anthony Volpe, or you know what's the, um, you know Oswald Peraza, or, you know they have. Um, you know, any option they could take, but I'd say <clears throat> Connor Falefa was a stopgap anyway. So just like whatever. I think that's yeah. the problem is that the Yankees we talked about it all all winter is that they didn't want to commit to a big eight to ten year contract on a shortstop. A guy like Corey Seager, a guy like Marcus Simeon, a guy like Trevor Story or Carlos Correa. It's because they had these guys in the minors, but I think part of what we were so angsty about this year is that we knew that those guys weren't ready for the start of the season and they probably wouldn't even be ready by June. And here we are. And yeah, I, I get kind of has been okay. Marwin's been okay. Um, Glaber started there the other night and looked okay. Um, like Glaber's fine wherever he starts. I'm not worried about him. I don't want him to be the everyday shortstop again, but like if he plays there 30 to 40 times this year, it's not going to bother me. I'm pretty sure he uh, doesn't want himself to be the shortstop every day. Probably guess, not. So. You're you're probably right. But I guess the the point I'm getting at here is that we knew Peraza, Cabrera, Volpe, all those guys wouldn't be ready for this season. And so yeah, Connor Fluff is kind of a stopgap guy. But if you got to carry him throughout the whole season, are, are you just going to deal with that? Are you going to deal with him being in your everyday shortstop? for the rest of this year and just say, hey, look, it's working. Don't rock the boat. Or are they going to make an addition at, at, at the trade deadline? Uh, and I don't even know where you go if that's the case. They should call up the Red Sox and trade for Xander Bogarts. Yeah, obviously that's happening. Call up the Phillies. Trade for old friend Didi Gregorius. Oh, geez, please, please no. That That's worse. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, like, I kind of level was supposed to be your stopgap, so obviously it's not great if you're looking for another one. But like, you know, even if you batted him at this point eighth or ninth most days, and just like said whatever, he's just gonna play shortstop, platoon him with Marwin, and put Glaber over there for thirty games, like you said. I don't know. It's just like he's not a tremendously important player, but he's very annoying to watch on a daily basis. So if they, if they yeah, can find a low cost way to replace him, then I would be okay with it. If you look at the shortstops by by WAR across all Major League Baseball right now, um, 
the 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 guys who are going to be available are, are underwhelming. So the top, I'm going to give you the top ten names in terms of uh, war as of right now I'm, per fan graphs. So you have Xander Bogarts, obviously not going anywhere. Tommy Edmond, Cardinals are right in the, the thick of it in their division. They're not trading their starting shortstop. Dansby Swanson, starting shortstop on the defending World Series champion. He's not going anywhere. Trey Turner, who plays the outfield as well, but like he's he's a super utility guy for, for the Dodgers. Obviously, he's not going anywhere. You have Jeremy Pena, who the Astros just brought up to replace Carlos Correa, who's been very impressive as a rookie. Certainly, they're not trading him. Francisco Lindor, even if the Yankees wanted him, even if the Mets wanted like they, the contract is like immovable, and you're not trading with the Mets anyway. Um, and then you have Corey Seager. You have J.P. Crawford, who maybe, maybe if that's the direction you want to go. And then Bobby Wood Jr., who's has a lot of promise as a rookie for the Kansas City Royals. Um, those are the top nine guys in terms of war. And Crawford's the only guy you could see potentially getting moved as the Mariners may be out of it. But, like, what are you going to get from him offensively that that, that kind of fluff is really not offering? Um He's not really a great I mean, defender. Kind of fluff, uh, upgrading shortstop at this point, I feel it could be like kind of a luxury. I, I mean, yeah. if they can find an option, then yes, I would say do it. But like, um, I don't know. It's not like it's not like super terribly pressing. More, more so than just being like, I would just play Marwin a little bit more. Um, and otherwise, I was gonna say. My second answer for this was to be like make Jose Trevino like the starter, quote unquote. But he's played in more games this year than Higashioka, so I guess that's sort of kind of happening. And deservedly, and, so, deservedly so. Like let's let's go give a quick shout out to Trav Dog for another gigantic home run tonight to put the Yankees on top, um, gave them the lead that they would not forfeit against the Tampa Bay Rays. I look, I actually was sitting on my couch. Quietly thinking like, eh, well, if they want to score the sending, if they want to score, come back and beat them. It's got to be the sending. Kind of fell off a lead off of the walk. I think he was running on a three-two pitch, and as soon as Trevino hit that, I was just like, holy and shit! The, like, I pitcher, completely off guard. That's his name Garza threw over like ten times that at bat. He was like really bothered by Connor Fluff on the bases, which is nice. And he also, wasn't and finding the strike zone to, to begin with. No, it was miserable at bat for him. He was not he, he he did not look like he was comfortable pitching at all. Like from the first pitch of the inning. Um and obviously with the three batter rule, you can't even take him out until he's faced three guys. Yeah. Or he got hurt. So that wasn't going to his favor. So yeah. Look, Trevino got Jose Trevino. We love him. We're so happy he's a Yankee. He should be the starter for the AL um, in the All-Star game. But uh, He's got to be, what, like the 100th percentile in pitch framing? Like, <laughs> he's so... That's what he was earlier in the year. I can't imagine he's fallen off much if he is. So, like, I'll say this. Like, it's probably going to be Alejandro Kirk, and he definitely deserves it as well. Been really good offensively. Um, surprisingly good arm, too, behind the plate. But... Um, I would love to see Jose Trevino. Jose Trevino, a guy we got for Albert Abreu, who, by the way, we just reacquired. Um, On the last backup, day of spring a, training, basically. <laughs> to be a backup defensive first catcher who turns himself into the starter for the American League in the All-Star game that summer, that would be truly hilarious. 
And according to Baseball Savant, he currently has the highest strike rate of catchers in baseball, 53.5%. Nice. Hell yeah. So I do want to touch on a few other things before we go ahead and finally get to this Houston preview. Uh, the Yankees have a couple players starting rehabs or about to start rehabs. Uh, Domingo Herman is, I believe, at Tampa as of tonight, Wednesday night, the 22nd. Uh, Earl Chapman should be going to double-A Somerset this weekend. And Jonathan Loisga started throwing from 120 feet today or yesterday. So he should be – I've seen him in the dugout the past few days, so he's definitely with the team working out. So he should be going on a, on a rehab assignment soon. So to get three of those guys back in the bullpen, uh, obviously Herman hasn't pitched all year, but um, there's upside in that arm. I hope he doesn't rock the boat, but – Obviously, if you get Chapman back healthy, I, I, you would hope a lot of his poor performance earlier was due to the injury. Same thing with Loisaga. It was the same shoulder injury he had at the end of last year, so maybe he just needed to reboot, rest himself a little bit, and he should be fine. We hope. If that's the case, then you got, you're got six, seven deep in the bullpen, which is awesome because King looks phenomenal. Clay Holmes is arguably the best reliever in all of baseball. Uh, Clark Schmidt has, has some upside in his arm. Miguel Castro is either terrible or unhittable. <laughs> so the Yankees both in yeah. a good spot. And Zach Britton. Will oh, you want to talk about Zach Britton? Yeah, I hate him. No. Um, <laughs> Zach Britton, the pitcher who I love to casually or otherwise complain about, um, was playing catch slash pitching. Brian Hook called it pitching, said he was going to pitch at the minor league complex in Tampa. Uh, yesterday, so he was throwing a baseball at the complex in Tampa yesterday, and uh, I mean, I don't know. I think the last time we heard about it was that they anticipated him being available maybe sooner than we all think, like maybe August. Yeah. And as much as I like to complain about him, he is good, and I would say he's pretty comfortably better than Miguel Castro. So, um, you know, different, you know, different hand and all that stuff, whatever. But like. Um, Chapman obviously is Chapman. He's good and useful, hard throwing lefty with the slider and all that stuff. Lasagna is, you know, the fireman, the every inning man. You know, he's got you know stuff for every inning, or you know every situation you want to bring him in. Um, and Herman is I don't know maybe Nestor Cortez insurance like long reliever. You know, rather than have these guys like Ryan Weber or whomever, like the last man, you could have, you know, Herman or, you know, whatever. Someone always gets hurt, so who knows. But um, And here's one thing that I did notice with, with Nestor the past few starts is that I think he's gone five and a third, four and a third, or four and a third, five and a third, four and a third, or, or something to that effect, uh, is that yeah, part of that could be because of performance. He hasn't really looked super sharp. He hasn't gotten bludgeoned in any of those starts given up no more than four and runs in any of them. But I wonder if the Yankees are starting to think long-term and they're limiting his innings and his pitch count now. Uh, so that's the spot where, yeah, you would want a guy like Herman in. So say, hey, look, hey, we, if we're playing a weak opponent or whatever, just a designated day that insert starter here is only going to go four innings just based on gameplay, right? Like we just got to limit you now. It's the game in the middle of July. We'll let you unleash again in, September and October, obviously, when we need you. But, like, right now we're going to save a few bullets and we're going to split seven innings between two guys today. Like, I, I could see them doing that. Like, that that's fine. 
especially if they have yes. the, the either the cushion they have in the division where they can afford to give up a game or two if something went off the rails. And Herman is a good pitcher. Like he is. He's been a very effective, very pretty good pitcher. He was really good for stretches when he pitched out of the bullpen, and he was also pretty darn good for stretches when he pitched out of the rotation. So he's got good stuff, and um, he could be useful. He'd be really useful for the Yankees. And, um, you know, obviously Chad Green's hurt, so, like, a guy who's pitched out of the bullpen um, and just been an effective big league pitcher uh, to add that guy to the bullpen or to the pitching staff in general is going to be good. So I'd say it, it's funny just to be like, oh, well, they have not had a ton of injuries, but like, you know, green has gone for the year. Britain was a long-term injury that eventually they're going to get back. But otherwise, like they haven't had a ton of injuries, but like they have been so good and help is like on the way now, even more so. So that's pretty nice for the Yankees. Yeah, well, well, Green. You, I don't know if, if I heard you correctly. Like he's he's probably done. Like they'd have to re-sign him. And he's gonna miss the rest of this year and probably part of next year. And he's a free agent to be. So pour one out to Swag Green, Bad Green, whatever you want to call him. Um, I mean, we could call him both. If a, anything, a, maybe he'll get like the Adam Warren, like two years. First year is just like a charity. Second year. Well, you've seen a bunch deal. of other teams do that with Yankees pitchers over the last few years. Paxton got a two-year deal with the Red Sox this year, coming off Tommy John than he had with the Mariners last year. Um, you had um, someone else's name just escapes me, who they who just got a deal similar. Um, another former Yankee who had Tommy John surgery. Help me out here. Yeah, I got nothing to all right, well, it'll come back to me later on. Um, they got a two-year deal as well. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, I think this is a good place to, to, to call it a show. Uh, I'd really like to get back into the habit of doing shows every week or every 10 days as opposed to every two weeks, but uh, it's been a, uh, a busy stretch for everyone, and look, the Yankees keep winning, and everything is all good, so um, we'll be here to 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 go through it all like god forbid i don't i don't want to say god forbid because that that means like you don't want something to happen like in the event that some crazy iron judge news happens with this contract over the next few days we'll uh we'll fire up uh, another emergency pod but uh until then we should hopefully be back in in, in a week or so uh, so this has been the 119th episode of the bronx horror battle podcast sponsored by six-pack coverage we'll catch you all next time the one that one's drilled deep to left field, going back Diaz, looking up, see ya! A walk-off three-run home run for Judge, and the Yankees win it! The Yankees go from no hit to no way is this happening again! A dramatic come-from-behind victory, and the Yankees split four with the Astros! Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of episode 119 of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. As you can see, it is no longer Andrew and G because we are now recording this after the Astro series. As I am Alex. Andrew is also here with me. Andrew, how's, how's things? 
there's something, man. We, we, <laughs> me and G recorded the first half of this podcast four days ago. Things were looking good. We were all fired up for, for Houston. And then um, things happened in that series. Um, it, was, it, was, it was one hell of a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I overall think this weekend was easily the weirdest weekend of baseball I can remember Yankees having. Because oh, for, for sure, dude. Because just like the tone of our fan base and myself, mm-hmm. like oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take full play. I'm like I was all down, like in in in, yeah. in in the gutter again. Like it took two ninth inning comeback. Well, I I guess one ninth inning comeback, one eighth inning comeback, and then an extra innings win. But like it took these down to their their astronomical final wins, right? Yeah. Ripping ripping victory from the jaws of defeat type things just to split a series against the Houston Astros at home. You know, there's already so much intensity and passion and emotion involved when you play these teams. Then you get Jose Altuve getting the fuck Altuve chance all weekend and just tormenting us in in the face of it. Uh, yeah. You mi- you mix in Saturday's game, which we'll get into, and I'm just gonna leave it at that before I bash my head against the counter before we even start the podcast. <laughs> Wild man. Yeah. No. This weekend to me, it's just it was easily the biggest series of the year because the one theme for this Yankee season so far is, yeah, 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 they're good. They have a really good record, but they can't beat good teams. Then they've gone out and they've bashed around the Jays. They've, you know, found ways to beat the Rays. Um, they took a series against the Twins. You know, they they've did done the business they need to against the good teams they faced, and now they played the Astros, who are their biggest competition in the American League. And I don't even think that's an exaggeration. I would make an argument that they're the second best team in all of baseball. Like they, the, Ast- the, the Yankees, the Mets, the, ha- the Mets have a slightly better record than the Astros. I think. Yeah. I think the, the, the Astros, the Mets two in a row off the Mets, the Mets to me too have a lot more holes than the Astros do. At least right now, obviously yeah. when they get the Grom and Scherzer back, they will be a better team, but like right yeah, exactly. now, yeah, I think the Astros are better than them today. Yeah. So if you look at the Yankees, you have them at number one and the Astros in number two. So this was a clash of the Titans here, and the series looked like it was going to be unbelievable with Thursday's win, with Hicks's you know game tying three run homer, Judge with the walk off, and even with the first you know inning and a half of that series where um, you had the Tucker three run homer or who hit the three run homer in the first inning, Bregman off Bregman. of uh, Tucker had Severino. the three run homer on Friday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off of Severino, Stanton follows up with a three-run homer, and then uh, Alvarez immediately hits one out. You're 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 all over the place. I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all over the. I, see, I got so mixed. The point up remains is that the point remains is that it was six-three going into the bottom of the second inning on Thursday, and I think everyone was gearing up for just like a wild series. And then it was six three in in the bottom of the ninth in in the bottom of the ninth inning, inning the bottom of the second inning to the bottom of the ninth inning on Thursday, you could just skip. Nothing happened, you know. The only fun thing that happened, the only notable thing that happened, was Rizzo's sixteen pitch at bat. Yeah, outside of that, the Yankees had what one hit between like the third and eighth inning. I don't even know if they had one hit. And then, uh, then Houston couldn't do anything against the the mop up guys. They had mm-hmm. Albert Abreu welcome back, and Miguel Castro all pitched. 
in that game kept Houston off the board, kept us in it to allow the ninth inning heroics. Yeah. And very, honestly, very weird game. honestly, shout out to Tyone too, because he, he had nothing. No. And, and he, 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 re- he really did a good job of, uh, for a while. Yeah. He, he really, he settled down and just kind of dealt with it. And, you know, obviously it was not his best start, um, especially in the first two innings, but overall he, he powered through it. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Hicks game-tying through on Homer off Ryan Presley, Judge walk-off. It was one of, if not the best, ninth inning of the year. And the Yankees, at that time, that was their ninth walk-off of the year. And it it goes to show you how this team is just like, they're so resilient. Because any lead is not safe. And that's why I think... We got so upset with Friday and Saturday because the offense was lifeless. Yeah, and, and to be honest, look, I, I don't want to gloss over it. I also don't want to harp on it too much, so let's just get it out of the way now. Mm-hmm. The offense has been pretty anemic all week. Now, yeah. you look at even those those three games against Tampa Bay, they scored. They had a 2 nothing lead early, and then Cole pitched his brains out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got those two cheap runs off Holmes, and then it took two runs in the ninth for them to win that game. So they had two runs through the first eight innings. Didn't really do much there. Yeah, I know they they won, and that's what you got to do. You got to grind out and win. Fine. Next game, they again had two runs all the way to the ninth inning. Marwin hit a two run home run. Judge Pinch hit hit one of the track that would have tied it, but it didn't leave. But again, two runs into the ninth inning, they scored two to lose five four. And then the game after that, uh, it, it was it was a similar situation. I think they scratched a few runs earlier, but they ended up. What was the final score of that? Oh, that was the game with uh again the late home run by Jose Trevino. Yeah. So yeah. they just they they they've been playing very very slow sluggish offensively at the shoot and they've been playing from behind a lot like the Astros mm. had had a lead in all four of these games this weekend yeah exactly early. like the Yankees never led before the ninth inning or tenth inning in any any of the four games and that's concerning that the offense is kind of in in a slumber now over the 162 game stretch they're probably gonna figure it out maybe it's just a credit to Houston saw something that they knew they could attack certain zones, but I saw the Yankees taking a lot more pitches like down the middle. So that's concerning. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. You know, that is a good point just because this week really was not a great offensive week, but it, it's not that big of a deal because you look at it, they went four and three this week against the Rays and the Astros. And honestly, this stretch right here where they went Rays, Jays, Rays, Astros, they went, they okay. They swept the Rays. They took two or three from the Jays. They took two or three from the Rays. They split against the Astros. That, that's what you got to do, you know. Even if the offense was dog shit this week, it still they managed to go four and three. Which, when you're a good team, you find ways to win games when you're not playing well, and that's what yeah, they I did. Just, I just I just wish they didn't have to. <laughs> make a sweat it out all game. Oh right? no, like, and and wait, that's what I'm wait saying. Wait for eighth that's or ninth heroics. <sighs> that's why, and that and it goes back to my point of that's why Friday and Saturday's losses hurt so much because that was not the 2022 Yankees team. That was the 2021 Yankees team. You know, for sure. where they just had no life at all. Where this team, it's like, okay, even when the offense is struggling, they find life. They find a way to scratch it out. Like today. They were no hit into the seventh inning. Stanton hits a home run. DJ ties it in the in the uh, eighth inning. You know they they found a way to win today, which they had no business winning today's game. Um, yeah, and, and look, every single run in this series 
outside of Judge's walk-off double on Thursday night was scored via the home run. Yeah. And that's – and look, I'm not going to get back into the old home runs are bad, blah, 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 but the team has been better at finding ways to score runs outside of the home run. They've been hitting mm-hmm. plenty of home runs, but they've also been able to <laughs> score yeah, runs in other ways, and they weren't doing that this week. That's why they've been so good offensively this year is because they've been hitting the amount of home runs – that they were supposed to hit, but they've also been scoring runs in other ways that aren't home runs, which is why they're really gives you a lot of Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why they're, they have like eight or nine games with 10 plus runs this year, where last year they had three, I think. No, it was more than that. I think it may have been like 10 or 11, but that was the course of the whole season. Really that much. I think they had, they have more this year than they did all of last year. In terms of ten run games, I'd have to check. I know, I know, the team was so roller coaster last year, where like mm. they were dreadful for stretches, but then they also won like ten out of twelve multiple. Yeah, times. exactly. So no, it's just it's so weird because you look at this series and they could have so easily gotten swept, which would have been just disastrous. It would have been awful. And and in the long scheme of things, of the season doesn't mean anything. But we would have been. Like, the amount of weight that you feel from just, like, saying, like, how as good as this team is going to be, if this is how you're going to play against the team you're probably going to face in October, what the hell is the point of everything else you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Which, again, is it's it has to be such a relief for them that, that they swept because the offense just was not – the offense didn't show up today. You know, you, you look mean at, that, they, that they didn't get swept? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just – Innings one through seven of this series, they scored four runs, and that came. Or three of that was the first inning. Five the first runs, game. three in the first, and all five of those runs were on home runs by Stan. Yeah, yeah, he had a home run in every game except Saturday. Yeah, well, obviously and, uh, when you know they got no hit, but yeah, first inning three run homer on Thursday. What was it? I think it was seventh inning. Homer, say you know mid-game Homer on Friday, and then seventh inning Homer today, and that's all the runs they scored until like the entire series until the eighth inning, and then you know they and they didn't even throw. like seem like close to scoring runs mm-hmm. in some of those other games. I know they had men on base on Friday, they had some some opportunities. But it never really seemed like they were close. It wasn't it like never, yeah, it never, two guys on. You had a, a ball in a gap that like a left fielder made a nice diving catch yeah, on. It, it, never, kind of it never really seemed like they were, you know, it was a jam the Astros got out of. It was like, all we were right, just well. waiting for the guys to hit a big home run that never came. So mm-hmm. it was just the, 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 the worst inning for me was I think it was against Montero on Friday when DJ let off at the single, which was mm-hmm. the last hit they had until Stanton's home run this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. And then I think <laughs> Rizzo walked, uh, and in between them, Judge struck out, and then you had probably what Donaldson and Stanton also struck out Yeah, in the, in the opposite order. So, like, that was the, the, the moment. They were down 3-1 in that game. You had two guys on, one out. You're like, all right, well, this team always comes back yeah, late. Yeah, you got, last you got they do a night, like, Those guys were just getting up there. Thinking home runs and yeah, you got Stanton and Donaldson coming up, and the way this team's going, you you you're just thinking, all right, well here's here's the moment right here, and it just it didn't happen, which is kind one of thing out of the I ordinary. noticed though is that they were super antsy against Justin Verlander, like he had 40 pitches yeah. through two innings. You're like, I can get this guy out after five, even if he shuts us out, who cares? I right, will get to their bullpen, mm. and then there was a couple innings where he threw like five, six, seven pitches, 
Judge was swinging on the first pitch almost every bat on Saturday. I think Saturday. he only had like three strikeouts too. Yeah, in well, seven yeah, he was swinging early. He was putting putting contact on on the ball, but he wasn't really doing much with it. So like, I don't yeah. hate the aggression, but also if you're gonna give away at bats. Uh, you're helping out the pitcher more yeah. than you're. Oh no, no, no. I, you're talking about Judge. I'm talking about Verlander. Yeah. I think Verla- Verlander only had like three strikeouts total in that game. Oh yeah, so, he was pitched in the contact, and they yeah, exactly, which is not very Verlander like. Like I remember in the 2019 ALCS, which obviously you know was three, two, three years ago, but that game, the game two where Verlander pitched, it just seemed like. Every single at bat, Verlander would throw a fastball strike, curveball strike, and then the Yankees would be down 0-2, and they'd either just have to foul off a pitch or they'd strike out. And it's that almost like Springer at a Montevino game. Yeah, it was. Judge oh, hit, God, hit a two run homer. Um, that was the, the game. Yankees of, had the lead in that game. You thought they like, had oh my the God, lead. Judge hit a two win run two homer games. off Verlander. That was the game. Paxton went out after like two innings. Springer hit the homer off Ottavino, and then um, Correa hit the walk off off App. Jesus Christ! Yeah, but it just—it seems like today they were, like you said, they were just swinging early in the count and just trying to make contact against Verlander, which is not what you do against him. He's the exact guy. He's going to strike you out, but he's going to give up a couple of home runs. Like, like exactly. Wait for your pitch and hammer it. Verlander multiple times has led the league in home runs allowed. He's like, he's a, he's exact. He's very similar to Garrett Cole, which is why 2019, the two of them just were unbelievable as a one, two punch in the order because they're strikeout guys who are hard throwers, but because they're so hard, who rely on their off speed to get their strikeouts, they're going to give up home runs. You know, you make a mistake with an off speed pitch or you throw a fastball down the middle, it's going to go a long way. So the reason they were able to be so good is because they would just not give up any base runners. And the Yankees just kind of like ignored that this on uh, on Friday, it seemed. Yeah, that was a rough game. I know you had Judge hit that ball to the warning track in the first inning. Donaldson mm-hmm. hit the ball to the track. That was a general double in the second. There were a couple other balls. That were I, I think Glaber hit one to the track to lead off the ninth. They were down two runs. Uh, there were some that kind of just seemed to either die or maybe they got topspinned a little bit. I don't know if it was a dead ball thing because Tucker's home run was hit to the moon. So yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a dead he, ball situation. That Tucker home run was such an of such a like perfect piece of hitting too because fastball inside and he just turned on that like that's what you do with a fastball inside and i i, I kind of love the hardo thing that like him and matt carpenter do with the no batting gloves mm-hmm. and they have like that weird like it almost seems like their elbows never bend they're just swinging like straight arms like like they're just that, swinging the that, trunk. i was just about when to hit say the ball, that like, it. it looks like tucker to me i don't understand how he generates so much power because you look, weird it, his mechanics are so weird. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like he has any power coming when he swings because his arms just look like they're so straight, and he doesn't look like he's swinging the right way. You know, very similar to Brad Miller, the way he swings. Yeah, it's it's very weird, but 
you know what whatever obviously it works for him yeah um, he's he's a great hitter and he's and i remember he's, i was sitting next to someone at, at the game on friday and um he just kept saying like oh this guy's a good hitter 46 rbis there we go and like the next pitch he hit the tank it's just like jesus christ <laughs> like 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 he was like an older guy right like, like yeah anyone who's a, who's a real like a fan like knows who Kyle Tucker is. They don't need to like. Doesn't matter what his stats are, like. You know what he's capable of. Yeah, this exactly. guy's looking up at his stats on the on the scoreboard. It's like, oh, 14 home runs, 13 home runs. This guy's a good hitter. And then like the next <laughs> pitch he hit it, and then he just wouldn't stop talking about it. It's like, oh. you know yeah. what actually got me in that game? And it's not gonna get talked about. And ultimately, Sevy still made the bad pitch, so it, it may be nothing. But Jordan Alvarez came up right beforehand, and I'm saying to myself, you got to intentionally walk him. Like he hit mm-hmm. the three on home run last time. He's been white hot. Like intentionally walk him. What are you doing? Sevy tried to work around him and ended up walking him on five pitches. Those are five extra pitches he threw. And yeah. then when you throw balls, now you try and force something over the plate a little more. And that's why I think he may have gotten burned. Granted, that wasn't a bad pitch he threw to Tucker. But like, I wonder if he just said, just throw up the four fingers. Like, Albert's going to reach anyway. Like, let's save the bullets in the chamber and actually focus on Tucker kind of thing. Yeah. One but, thing I have not understood is that since they implemented the automatic intentional walk thing how teams don't use it more like if you know you're going to try and pitch around someone just do it you know like especially ninth inning against judge on thursday um who was it that was whoever was pitching to stan yeah stanic immediately just throws around him 3-0 right down the middle like, at know? that point, there's nothing good that's going to come out of that at bat. No. They've already tried the game. 3-0 on case, Aaron Judge with the winning run on, ba- on in scoring position, and you have a base open. In what planet do you throw him a strike? Yeah, like like pitching to Aaron Judge on 3-0 with the, with the winning run on second base or dealing with Anthony Rizzo with the bases loaded. And there was two outs at that point, I, I think. There's one or yeah, two outs like, at that point. Like there's there's no excuse for that, you know. No. In there, it's Rizzo has had a very he's had a very good year. He's you know I, he's close. He has 19 ish, 18 or 19 home runs. He's had his up and down stretches, but overall he's had a very good year. I would face him 100 times out of 100 over Judge right now. Yeah, and Judge, especially in that spot because Judge already had yeah. three balls on the exactly. Count, like. And Judge did not do much this weekend. He had the walk off hit and he had the walk off homer today, and that was those were the only hits he had. Mm-hmm. And overall, Judge has Judge has not been doing great in the last, I'd say, two weeks or so. He's only yeah, he's gotten his home runs. He's gotten like, his he home runs, but them. he hasn't done really much of anything else. And either even even then. There is no excuse for throwing Judge a strike on no. 3-0 with the winning run in scoring position. No, he's 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 in, he's in the zone right now. Even if he's not getting his hits in the the fourth, fifth, sixth innings of games, yeah. you bring him up with a chance to win the ball game. Like he's locked in. It doesn't matter if he's over his last 18. Mm-hmm. You trust that he's going to get a hit in that spot. Well, and the thing that is so like impressive about him is that he's not just hitting fastballs. You look at the pitch he hit for a home run today. That was a curveball that just broke right over the heart of the plate. Yeah, let, let's just talk about that though. I think they classified it as a slider. It did look like a curveball though, but like that thing was knee high, center cut of the plate. Like mm. that was a horrible pitch. It and was a terrible pitch. To, yeah. You know what else was a horrible pitch? The 
the Stanton home run that broke up the second straight no-hitter today, mm-hmm. that was a 91.9-mile-per-hour fastball. That's what they classified it. I could just say 92, but I think 91.9 is, is funnier. <laughs> right, Literally right down the middle, like right as down middle, perfectly yeah. down in the middle as you could possibly see. Like a 92-mile-per-hour fastball. do against those when you're a home run hitter. You hit it right, to the Right, so moon. part of us were like, oh, my God, thank you, Stanton, the hit, a run. We're not going to get no hit. And I'm thinking, like, he should have been – they, they should have left him in New York when they make their next road trip. If he didn't do that. On yeah, that exactly. Like, you have to. Yeah. And one thing about Stan is that his average is not very high right now. I think he's at May. He's around 240 ish. Um, And he ever since he got back off the aisle, he's really been a little off. Um, He's hit like what five, six home runs, but really he's he's else. hit his home run and he's hit his home runs, though. And he's drawn. You no, know, he, he hit three home runs this series. So he's. His mechanics are there. I think he's just his timing is off. Time's off. So I don't like person, especially after this series. I'm not worried about Stanton at all. Um, you know what I am he, worried about though. Josh Donaldson. He looks cooked. Donaldson looks awful, yeah. and he's looked awful. Probably he know he looked really good in the Chicago series when they were in Chicago against the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And I think after that, after the he hit home runs in back to back games that series, and I think we were all. Like, all right, Donaldson's finally starting to come out of it, and he's done nothing. And then he got hurt, then he got COVID. And yeah. You, know, you wonder if that still has lingering effects, but... It, and that's that's a good point, just because you look at Rizzo last year, he got COVID, came back, was not the same. And COVID, one thing we've come to learn is that players who get COVID, it has a lasting impact on them, even if they're... On some people. Some people are fine. Some people, yeah. they're, they're, they're but feeling like that for a month. You know, even if you're asymptomatic, it's just like it has some type of effect that you just it it screws you up. Yeah. Um, and even if even if it's not even physical, it's the fact that you're away from the team for five, six games and that exactly. alone could fuck your timing. Yeah. And you can't, you know, practice in the batting cages or anything. You can't take fly balls. You can't take batting practice, anything. Yeah. You know, you have to be in quarantine and that really can really screw up your mechanics like imagine if you're just stuck in a hotel room for five days you're gonna go a little stir crazy and it's just not gonna it's not gonna do anything great for you yeah yeah. so So, it's at a point where i almost think that they need to make an excuse to either play dj at third base more uh or play matt carpenter more but like mm -hmm. the whole glaber torres injury today uh, just that may happen on its own anyway so like yeah well, and DJ's got to play second base every day. DJ's got to play second base. And then I think at this point they platoon Donaldson and Carpenter. Yeah. And look, man, IKF, it's another guy that like the Yankees are still winning games. They're still in first place by double digits. But that dude is just, I, like, he's, I, I didn't want to be so right about him. Like, Oh, we got an all glove. No, I, I wanted IKF to be have another Cashman gem. You know, I think we all wanted IKF to be a, a gem, but he came in as a defensive wizard who's gonna hit a bunch of singles and not do much else. And he's, he's not done. Hitting, he's booting a bunch he's done, of balls. He's done none of that. You know, he had a. I you know, give him credit. He did get the second hit, Yankees' second hit of the game. But mm-hmm. he just when he goes up to bat, he look. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. His, yeah. you know, he's moving his bat all over the place. It's not, and it's not in like a consistent fashion that he's doing it. Like that's not his mechanics. That's just 
him. He had like a like a Justin Turner like leg kick going on in spring training, and that's gone. Like that yeah. whatever mechanics he's working on, that that went went out the window. He ha- he like, has no mechanics at this point. He's just going up yeah. there and swinging, and he has contact abilities, so he's not striking out, but he has negative power. Yeah, so we're all on he's the doing is July, and he has zero home runs. <laughs> Yeah, he's, you know, he'll hit a pop-up or two, or he'll just hit a weak ground ball. And, you know, honestly, the guy only has, like, eight or nine career home runs, as it is. So he's not going to hit 15, 20 home runs. But you'd think with the, you know, short porch and right field, he would accidentally run into one. He's he's pretty good at going oppo when he's actually kind of hitting. So you'd think he might... I I know he can, but I feel like most of his... Even like his ground ball outs, I feel like almost everything's pulled right now. Yeah, no. Now that he's he struggling, could go up ball, and he'd be a better hitter if he used the, if he sprayed the ball over the field more. But yeah, if he if he sprayed the ball over the field more, he could be much closer to a three hundred hitter. But right now he's at like what two forty ish. That's just not gonna cut it if you're no. your glove. Is, no, especially and that's not gonna cut it. Up the repetition. That'll cut it when you're Giancarlo Stanton and you have. 16 17 home runs at this point you're going to end up hitting 30 to 35 home runs but when you're ikf and you're going to hit one home run in a year have a 630 ops and only be known for your defense hitting 240 is not going to do anything like he hit 270 last year and still had like a 670 OPS. Like that's how yeah, like in, in, little power. Me and G he had. both said this on the the first half of this episode the other night. But at what point do you just say like you gotta start Marwin Gonzalez a shortstop more? Mm-hmm. Like he's not a great hitter by any means, but he makes all the all the plays. So Marwin has two more home runs than IKF, and that like half the at bats. He's a switch hitter. He's got a little more. And he's a little I, you know, more I get it. I season. don't think the Yankees want to tie him down to one position because the majority of his value to this team is the fact that he can essentially play seven positions, positions in the field. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what, you know, if you get to the if you get to the All Star break and IKF is still playing like this, you gotta reevaluate after the All Star break, you know. And there's really not a ton of internal options, so no. Even if it's just like picking up someone off waivers or signing like just making a Matt Carpenter something. Yeah. Just finding someone and or hell look, I'll say it because I didn't want this to be, we, we joked about this in the, in the, in the off season, like, Oh, I don't want it to be uh Andrelton Simmons, but like the Cubs suck. And Cubs aren't going anywhere. Down. I think Simmons is a better option than I can right now. And I hate myself for saying, and that, it's because but. Simmons actually is playing well defensively. Yeah. He's actually good defensively. IKF has just made some brutal errors. Like in the tenth inning today, to lead off, I forget who hit the ball, but he just—it was Altuve. He just booted an easy ground ball to get Jose Altuve out. Like you cannot he probably got do about that. His speed. Yeah, yeah, so you bad. cannot do that. If it was Jordan Alvarez and they got a weak ground ball to shortstop and he boots it, okay. You know, not great, not the end of the world. Alvarez doesn't have overly wonderful speed. Altuve is one of the faster hitters, faster players in the Astros. You cannot allow someone like that to get on by an error. 
And it wasn't even like he no, was rushing it. He just straight up booted that ball. So Yeah, and thank God Mike King worked out of it. Because that could have been really, really ugly. It could it could have gone downhill so fast. But look, and, let's just let's just quickly I mean I, I don't want to like completely <laughs> it's an fact that we got that we got no hit on Saturday because it sucked and we could talk about it. Like mm-hmm. they seemed very much off on on Javier. He's throwing like 94, 95. So I don't know yeah. if it was the way he was hiding the ball or or they're just off as a team. What I've seen, wise. what I've seen with Javier in the past is that he play his fastball plays up and he's very good at using it in scenarios where he knows it's going to throw off the player's balance. So it's like and a Chad Green type thing. Exactly, Chad, like 2007 Chad Green or two, 2007, 2017. Chad Green, um, you know, and he throws, he has his off-speed pitches too, and he just, he's very good at keeping players off balance. And you know, the last couple of years he was in the bullpen, so he'd only throw two, two, three innings maximum for the Astros. But this year they're using him as a starter, and he was, the Yankees literally could not touch him yesterday. Yeah. And then, look, Joey Gallo hit that ball that – I'm just going to say it because I'm pretty much sick of him. Most competent left-handed power hitters hit that ball out. Yeah. He barreled it, barreled it at 112 miles per hour. But his stupid, awful, embarrassing swing trajectory where it's like crazy overstated uppercut hit the ball mm-hmm. on a 42-degree launch angle, and it went 335 feet. He yeah. didn't even make the short porch. Like, you hit the ball that hard – and hit it in the sweet spot, and it, you can't hit, clear 340 distance. You hit a ball so 112 miles an hour, and you hit it in the air. There's no excuse for that ball not to go out unless you hit it to center field. Like, obviously, you can hit the ball really well. It just goes straight into the ground. But Gallo hits a 112-mile-an-hour fly ball. Why, why is that not going out? Oh, yeah, he hit it straight up. 42-degree launch angle. I yeah, there's, it, you know, I get the whole launch angle movement because you're trying to elevate the ball more. You hit the ball harder, you elevate the ball, it's going to yeah, go Yeah, the launch further. angle movement is don't hit the ball at 17 miles an hour, hit the same line drive at 28 miles an hour, exactly. and it's going to clear the fence. Yeah, but Gallo is like the extreme where everything he hits is straight up. Like, I think back to his first home run last year with the Yankees where he hit a sky high pop-up that got out down the right field line for the three run home run against Seattle. And you just look at Gallo's swing and he just looks so easy to pitch to because you get one strike on him. You can throw it. You say you just throw a fastball like on the corner strike one. He's not going to swing at it because he doesn't swing at the first pitch. Throw him an off speed pitch. Strike, you know, may strike two or ball one. Then you just pound him upstairs with fastballs because because of his swing trajectory and he just with his uppercut, he cannot hit a high fastball and That's he doesn't adjust and not swing at them. Like Aaron Judge's <laughs> biggest adjustment this year and la- and, you know, for the better part of last year was that he's learned to layoff of off speed away because that was his kryptonite when he was 
a rookie in you know in 2018 2019 when he w- didn't play as much because of injuries but his kryptonite was off sp- two strikes on him throw him a slider low and away he's going to swing and miss at it if you execute it he, he he's toast now he has adjusted and it's so much harder to get him out because of that mm-hmm. you, yeah you got to make a pitch in, in the right spot and, exactly and you talk about you talk about Aaron Judge and just like his swing is so free and easy, and he hits the ball. He's he has the the, the second highest exit velo- average exit velocity in the Statcast era, behind only Stanton, right? Mm-hmm. And he yeah. looks like he's just so easy, just like you know, a little load, raises raises leg, move his hands back a little bit, just kind of bring it through the zone, boom, 120 miles an hour off the bat, whatever. Like yeah. it's like he's not even trying. Whereas Gallo, like even if you look at his facial expressions and the way he torques his body, like his cheeks puff out, his chest is like pushed out, like he's doing a bench press. Like there shouldn't be that much of your swing shouldn't be from your shoulders and chest. It's got to be no. your hips, dude. Like every major league hitter knows this, and his is all upper body, and that's why it's not successful. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you look at a guy like Stanton, you know, Stanton's a freak of nature with it, the uh, the way he hits the ball. But his swing is so level mm-hmm. and he hit, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out for him. But other times you hit Stanton, you see Stanton connect on a ball, you know, it's gone because the way his swing path goes when he makes contact, that ball is dead <laughs> with Gallo. You know, like like he did today, he can barrel a ball up and hit a fly and get a fly out stanton barrels a ball up it goes 450 feet stanton hit two balls to the second deck in right field as a right-handed hitter in yankee stadium this weekend yeah that's not uh, easy to do <laughs> no that's not something anyone can do whereas a gallo pump, barrels a ball up and hits it to the warning track in the on a field that on a hot summer day yeah where the balls would travel exactly uh, so the, like and, you know, I, I hate to just rat on players who aren't playing well right now because, you know, the Yankees are still very, a very, very good team. They've had such an unbelievably fun season so far. But there's just a few guys on this team who are just have been not have been zeros, less than zero. Mm-hmm. And I Hicks gets a pass for like a week. Because of his home run on Thursday. Yeah, my most hated player list uh, has changed pretty much week to week. Yeah. But over the last the few top, weeks, it's the really stabilized. The like, yeah, but like IKF and Gallo are like very comfortably in that. And then everyone else is kind of up for grabs. Whoever's not playing well <laughs> in the moment. Yeah. And honestly, but I've been. Hicks has worked his way out. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I've been like a Gallo apologist this season. But I've been much more lenient with him because I know he's he's good defensively, and this is the type of hitter he is, where he just he he's a tr- three true outcomes guy: Sing, home run, walk, strikeout. But if you're you know good defensively, which he has been, I I can comfortably say he's been solid defensively this year. But he's not a three true outcomes guy. He's a one true outcome with a couple of the other two mixed in. Mm-hmm. I think before today, Gallo was over his last fifteen with ten strikeouts. And he he didn't bat. He didn't play. He didn't play today. So he he's over his last fifteen with ten strikeouts. 
That's just so bad, man. Like, I, I know, I, blah, 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 strikers don't matter. It's like, yeah, except they kind of do. They're better than hitting them to a double play, mm-hmm. sure, but that's about it. And, you know, with him, I I think I've done this before. Where I compared him to Mark Teixeira, where Teixeira was getting shifted on, and he was either basically either it hitting it right into the shift or striking out. Because, you know, he would, he struck out a lot, but he would make up for it by hitting home runs. And that, But, you know, once the shift started becoming a thing, he said, I'm not going to, you know, try and go opposite field because I'm not an opposite field hitter. Um, but he still made up for it by hitting home runs, whereas Gallo is like the same type of thing, but he doesn't hit the home runs to make up for it. All he does is just like, Pop balls up, hit them right into the shift, or strike out. Even the yeah. even the few one few hits he's gotten in the last couple weeks have been like line drives that have gotten through the shift or like over the right fielder's head. Like he he hasn't done anything against the shift. You know, no, every I, single one of his hits his... have just been hard, hit hard enough to beat the shift. His best hit was probably that two-run home run he hit in Toronto. Uh, yeah. Of course, that was with the game at like 10-1 to 1 and put him up 12-1. So mm-hmm. thanks, Joey. You really helped us win that yeah. game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of thought he may have started looking like he was turning a corner because I think he had an RBI double earlier in that game or the night before yeah. or the night after or something like that. And you're like, oh, well, is he finally figuring it out? You know, he was starting to grow out that mustache. You're like, oh, maybe this is some good juju. Yeah, you're like, all right, maybe maybe, maybe some good things are starting to happen here. And then since then, he's, you know, done nothing but strike out. Yeah, so, like, one thing I will say about, about the Yankees team, though, uh, and we kind of said it beforehand, but, like, it's very important go forward, is that they got to start playing from, from, from leads, man. Like, mm-hmm. they've been playing from behind almost every game this week and they're a good team. They have a lot of resolve. They're going to come back a bunch, but you don't want to force yourself into a come from behind situation every night. Like it's going to catch up to you eventually. No, you cannot, you, you cannot win every single game that you're losing. Obviously they're, they have 20 something, 20, like 25 come from behind wins this year, which you know, that's great that they have the resilience to, when they're losing, come back. But that shouldn't be your mindset of, okay, we'll be fine. We'll just come back later on. You yeah, know, I forget you, what, the, what, the, what the stat is. It might have been like a Katie Sharp one, but it said something like the Yankees are like one game above or at 500 when they've trailed at any point in that game. And that's the best record in baseball. Oh, yeah. So, like, and, it just shows that, you the state of major That's an unbelievable like, record. If at any like, point in time you're behind, the odds are you're going to lose that game. Now, a lot of times yeah. you could be down one nothing in the first inning and then score two runs right back, and then you're fine. You're playing from the lead the rest of the game. But teams that – if you have played 70 games and at any point in time you've been behind to your opponent in 40 of those games, be lucky if your record's 20-20, and 20, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. And, like, yeah, it's not saying, like, just being behind at any point isn't a death sentence by any means. But you're going to win 40 to 45% of those games, not 70. So. Well, and you think about it, too. It's like the games that that, – that, that stat, okay? Anytime they've trailed, they're about 500. That includes blowout games like the one in Minnesota they lost 8-1. to one, mm-hmm. Or just – get or, you know, yesterday's no-hitter. That includes those games. So 
you take out the games that they really had no chance of. Yeah, they winning. were out. They they yeah. they were just out of it. That gives them an over 500 record on games they were on like close-ish games that they were mm-hmm. losing in. Yeah, that's unheard of. It's great, but at the same time, that's all. You know, odds are they're not going to keep that up. Well, look, and that's why you get the meltdowns between our fan base. Like, I, I'm sure you felt a little bit. I did a little more. I'm just going to own it. But, like, when you are constantly behind, especially when you're not used to being behind, and you look lifeless at the plate, you, you start panicking. You start thinking, yeah. like, well, this team is has lost it. And, yeah, they've, they've come back a lot. Uh, but especially, like, this afternoon, I kind of mm-hmm. just – I had to I had to shut the game off for a couple innings. Like, after they got no hit through five innings – it's, it was rough getting to no watch. hit yesterday yeah. and after, and being in the ballpark on Friday and seeing what they did then it just seemed like they they were a little apathetic and mm-hmm. and I know that's probably not the case but they looked lethargic and, and almost like oh well I guess today's not our day it's like what do you guys do still else like do something make something happen yeah. well and it was it's, it, honestly it seemed like that one span of um games I want to say it was in 2016 where they went like 25 innings or something like that without scoring a run and you just didn't think they were ever going to score again you know it wasn't like they were just getting a bunch of base runners and just weren't getting the big hit it was friday they had some base runners standing at the home run and then saturday they legitimately got no hit today they got no hit through six innings like they went I i think it was the astros streak was 16 and a third straight innings without a hit in one series against the Yankees. Yeah. It, unless and, you're and the most doesn't even optimistic, in, unless you're the most it's optimistic person more. on the planet, you're mm-hmm. going to look at that and just feel down about it. You know? Yeah. And, and again, like if they just played like shit against a random opponent, like a really good pitching or they just had an off yeah. series on the road, like the West coast, those late night games. Ah, eh, I don't know. Like you don't want to lose to, like the Mariners, but if they lost two out of three in Seattle on the road, like, whenever they play them, yeah, it's, like, it's not the eh, end of the world. It's fine, but, but when Houston it's Houston at home, like, you gotta win. Yeah, and it's just, I think it, it's what what kind of amplifies it is the fact that they've eliminated us from the playoffs three of the last seven years already, mm-hmm. and you just start just. All those bad memories come back. Like, well, look, this this Houston team has our number again. If we meet them in the playoffs, they're going to beat us again. And how am I going to deal with that again? I can't psychologically, like, this is supposed to be our year, right? And I don't want to let myself believe anything long-term for this team, like, until it happens. I'm I'm, I'm taking it day by day. I'm happy with, with the state they are right now. I'm not looking too much <laughs> in the foreground. But when you see yourself getting beat by Houston again, you start thinking, like, well, if we play them in October – are we really going to lose these guys again and get like we're going to be the Minnesota twins to their Yankees. So that's yeah. going to be the, the, the situation. You start feeling that. I honestly had that thought today where I was like, man, if the Yankees just cannot beat the Astros, what happens when the ALCS this year is Yankees Astros again, the Astros knock the Yankees out in six games again. And all of a sudden we're just like, instead of being the Yankees, we're just the team that the Astros look at when it's just like the second best team in the American League that physically cannot. Every year we go to the one. World Series, we got to go through the Yankees first, and we we yeah. do it no problem. Yeah, they just. I think you said it the other day. Um, the Astros came in here, and 
Thursday obviously didn't help, but the last two days it just seemed like they weren't phased by anything. No, they it's have like a they, swagger about they them. weren't like they weren't they didn't come in here thinking, all right, well, you know, we're gonna we're we'll, we're going for a split here because I, this Yankees team obviously is good. You know, we don't know what we're going for. They came in here thinking, all right, yeah, we can beat the Yankees. The Yankees obviously are good. We can beat them, and they almost did. They almost swept the series. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Oh, they, God, and, and those and those fuck out two chants all weekend. Ugh. Yeah, it's honestly like, clearly it's it's not it's not working, and you're not it, you're not getting his head. You know, I think it was Dusty Baker said the other day where he was like, eventually they'll just they'll forget about it. And honestly, I hate to say it, but I'm siding with him. Like, guys, come on. You know, mm-hmm. and again, the Astros cheating scandal was five years ago. They were caught for it three years ago. I don't want to say it's in the rearview mirror, but like at this point, the Astros are not cheating at Yankee Stadium. This is the team yeah. they are. And you I know? know some of the people who are beneficiaries of that are still on their roster. Mm. But like, who is the ringleader? Carlos Beltran. Where is he? Working for the Yes Network in the booth this weekend. Yeah. Who was, who one, was of one of the biggest, guys who had a career year? I was going to say one of the guys who had one of the best seasons of his career. Marvin Gonzalez in Marvin the Yankees Gonzalez. dugout. Yeah. A.J. Hinch not managing in the in the opposing dugout. like George Springer in Toronto. Carlos Correa yeah. in Minnesota. I And I think they, one, McCann, of the trivia questions, <laughs> one of the trivia questions for the Astros was – or for this series was who are the five players that are still on the Astros roster from 2017? And it's – Altuve, Verlander, McCullers, Bregman, and probably Maldonado, right? No, I don't. Th- uh, it might have been. Uh, it might have been Maldonado. But like, if not, maybe I'm trying to think who else was their outfit. They had like Mariznick and uh, yeah, Mariznick. Yeah, it was Mariznick and Reddick. Um, they had Brian McCann is one of their catchers. It, it was yeah, it was Gal- yeah. This was the other oh, one. Oh, Gurry- yeah. it's Gurry- it's Guriel, it's Guriel. Guriel, duh, of course. Yeah, Altuve, Guriel, Bregman, Verlander, McCullers are the five players on this team that were on the 2017 team. So it's not even like this is the same exact team from 2017. Obviously, you have two of the main players in Bregman and Altuve. Guriel is I don't know what to say about him. He's been unbelievably bad this year verlander is verlander mccullers has been injured for the past decade it seems (laughs) yeah so you know at this point it's like obviously altuve is going to be the main guy you focus on because he's the he's the villain you know every yankees fan hates altuve yes but at some point we're gonna have to get over that because we, the Yankees got to take the high road and like not let the Astros get to them. No, so. and so look, we have we have a single game against them in a couple of weeks in Houston, and then we go and I think right out of the All Star break there's the doubleheader. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the series against Houston's weird because it was the second series of the regular season. That yeah, it's displaced uh, it's because of the the lockout. the lockout and the delayed start. Uh, the Texas series, which was supposed to start the season, now ends the season. But the Houston series, they kind of just had to fit it in on some off days. 
So we don't like go there for three days and it, it'll be weird. We'll play them, but it'll yeah. kind of just be like a blip on the radar. So this was like like the series against mm. them this year. Uh, and it could have gone better. I, I would have preferred not better. to better. It no could have gone. It could have ended so much worse, though. Yeah, I would yeah, like I, so. I'm not I don't want to say it could have gone worse because it didn't go great. The Yankees, the Astros, I would say, are more to blame for the loss, their two losses than the Yankees are for their two wins. Yeah. And like I said to G on Wednesday when we did the, the first part of this episode, I said, like, I, I'd be happy with the split and we split and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy with. How they got the split? You're not happy with how they got the split, but I, don't get me wrong. Point, walk-off wins are, are fantastic, but I hate that yeah. they were necessary. Yeah, you don't you don't want to rely on scoring three runs in the last two innings to win a game. Yeah, and then I you obviously don't want to get no hit either, but it yeah, hasn't exactly. happened to us in 19 years, so like mm-hmm. it was bound to happen. It sucks. It sucks that there's longer. Uh, no hitter list streaks still active. Mm-hmm. Like Cleveland has one. Kansas City might have one. Uh, Kansas but... City. Kansas City doesn't have one. Kansas City got no hit by the Red Sox in like 2008. Was that was that Lester? Was it against yeah. the Yeah. Or no, it was. You would, yeah, it was Lester. Sure, it wasn't against Oakland. I don't think so. Like I thought 90%. I remember saying that Kansas City hadn't been no hit in like 24 years. I'm like 90 percent sure it was against Kansas City. Let me look at John, John Lester, no hitter. Uh, yeah, John, the last Red Sox picture having done it to throw a no hitter, having done it to the Kansas City Royals in uh, 2000. Where's the year? Do, 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 do. I cannot find it. It's definitely 2008. Uh, yeah, 2008. We're going with that. But yeah, Lester no hit the Royals. Anyways, um, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from this series for me is that it was an ugly series in many different ways. But they split. They had two very fun wins in the process. Move on. You got your you got your two wins out of the four game series against the Astros. Focus on that. Forget everything else. Yeah, I, I don't think they, they don't leave this series thinking like, wow, these fuckers have our number. No. Now, if they had lost today, if they had gotten like two hit and got shut out again, you may feel like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. We're going to have to really change something. We play them in October. Now it's kind of like, a well, I don't feel great, but I still feel like if we play them in, in the playoffs, we could beat them. So that's about all you can ask for right now. Like, you, mm-hmm. you don't want to have it be a mental block. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think at this point, you you just have to move on. Like, your takeaway is, like I said, just we split, move on. To play Oakland now, I think anything less than a sweep of Oakland is going to be, would be a disappointment, especially since it's at home. Yeah, like you'd like to sweep, but like I don't think you can go into any series. And, and like, no, and that's and I don't want to. I don't want to immediately go in and be like, okay, they. If they, they lose two out of three, it's bad, and it's yeah. a real letdown. But they need. They you, you obvi- take two out of three against a bad team, and you move on. Win the series, and that's what they've been so good They're at. They're not going to win games at a seventy-five percent clip the rest of the huh. year. But if you if you just take two out of three the rest of the season, 
you can still get to that 110 win threshold mm-hmm. roughly. Uh, and then like the, the most important thing is obviously winning the division, but uh, getting one of the top two spots so you get that first round buy in the playoffs. Exactly. And that's what we're going to start talking about. I think the magic number, like I, I, I can't believe that it's actually a thing. Like they've been so good that people already know what it is. But I think it's something like 78 right now. Like that, so you can't possibly achieve it for the next few months. Really? I, I, someone posted wow. a fi- picture that's of Luis wild. Hill the other day, and it was like the Yankees' magic number is, and Luis Hill's was 81. So that's that was. That's amazing. Yeah. They, that's wild though, because they could legitimately clinch like a a top two, like a, pl- a literal playoff spot by like August 20th. Yeah. August. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like imagine if they're celebrating in August. I can't weird. I don't think you celebrate clinching at worst at or at worst the sixth playoff spot in, in a sixteen playoff field. I think you you'd maybe celebrate when you've locked up the division, even if that's yeah. like April, I, I, even if that's like September tenth. But look, Boston's coming on. Really, they never lose. They like it seems like they never lose, even though yeah. we don't really either. That is a team that still scares me because we've played them once. The first three games of the year, and that's it. So and that I got to see how bad. we shake up they, against them. The Red Sox started off the year 10 and 19, and they played at like a 700 winning percentage pace since then. So are the Red Sox right now are a victim. The Red Sox are a victim of have a of a really bad start. If they were not, if they did not have the terrible start they did, they'd be right up there with the Yankees. As of recording this Sunday night, they've climbed all the way to second place in the division. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Considering just how bad they were at the beginning of the year, like that's yeah, that's, wild. That's, that's terrifying, man. So yeah, I think I'm I'm right with you with saying the team I'm the teams I'm scared the most of right now in the American League is the Astros are number one easily, the Red Sox are number two, and if I had to pick a number three, I'd probably go with the Jays. It's yeah. like Jays and Rays can like switch out of that spot. Just because the Jays, I will never count out offensively, and the Rays are just the world's most annoying baseball team. <laughs> yeah, the good news is, though, um, should the playoffs start like with current seedings, Houston and New York would get the first round bye. Mm-hmm. And then Minnesota would play Toronto, and Boston would play Tampa Bay. So just attrition, one of those guys are going to get eliminated right off the bat. If the AL East has all three wildcard spots, one of them is not making it out of the wildcard round. Like, it, yeah, it can't, can't work. And which then is, you just hope. <laughs> which is good because, up. you know, the Yankees have played very well against the AL East this year, but I'm I'm not confident that they win against the Jays or the Red Sox or the Rays. You know, because they, they, you, they've, played, they've played Toronto enough. They've played Tampa enough that I think they could beat them. I need to see them playing Boston at their best and see how they stack up against them yeah. to actually know where that might go. Cause remember yeah. they're going to get back Chris sell later in the year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and who knows what you know, it's going to happen for either team at, at the deadline. I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. have the Yankees won a playoff series against an AL East team since the Boone home run. I think that's the last time. Oh, yeah. no, sorry, sorry. They played the, the Orioles in 2012. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. That was the last one. That was the last one. Okay, so the, the team that I'm not scared of. Yeah, yeah but you look at the Rays. I don't think they've ever played the Jays in the playoffs, and the Red Sox and the Rays in the last 10 years or so, they've lost to. 
So and it's weird because it seems like the Red Sox and the Rays play in the playoffs like every other year. Mm-hmm. But <sighs> yeah, um, I think we can pro- we can probably wrap it up here. Yeah, we didn't we didn't mean to spend the last five minutes lamenting uh, <laughs> our fate to the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks everyone for watching. This is a you know special two parter episode where Andrew and G went over the you know the Rays series and just kind of everything before that um, the first part, and then me and Andrew just vented about this Astro series. So for me and Andrew, this has been the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast, and we will see you in the next one.